second reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, verse 25 uh, chapter 5, verse 2. So then, putting away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with your neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not make room for the devil. Those who steal must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor, doing good works with their own hands, so as to have something to share with the needy. Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is good for building up, as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with which you were marked with a seal for the day of redemption. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Amen. So as I mentioned last week, I was away for vacation, uh, and it was last a couple weeks ago, and it was kind of interesting. Before I left, I noticed that, you know, the announcements and things were going on in the church were beach cleanup and baseball games, kind of summer, well, you think about summer activities, and now we're talking about fall schedules and, and things that will happen in the fall, and it's the reminder to me that, you know, summer's kind of winding down, at least on the calendar, the, the temperature outside, not so much, uh, uh, but, but we're, we're winding down to the end of summer, and, and I hope, I pray that many of you and your families have been able to get away on vacation. Um, the last couple of years have not been kind to us in the vacation uh, world, um, but this summer seemed maybe somewhat a bit normal uh, to be able to get away. Vacations are important. They're healthy for you to refresh and renew, and, and I hope you've had that opportunity. As I mentioned, Susie and I uh, took a, a lengthy vacation this summer. Uh, we went to Ireland and Scotland um, Susie and I, when we got married 31 years ago, uh, we were planning our honeymoon. We were going to go to the Isle of Skye in Scotland. And that, for whatever reason, I don't even remember why, didn't work out. And so we promised ourselves that one day we would go back. Well, 31 years, uh, we finally got there. We were supposed to go last summer uh, for our 30th wedding anniversary in you know, that didn't work out. So, uh, uh, but we got there and it was fabulous. Uh, we went to Ireland first. We were in Dublin uh, for a few days and then uh, took the train down to a little seaside community called Greystones. It's right on the Irish Sea. Uh, and then we hopped over to Edinburgh in Scotland and we spent a few days on the Royal Mile and rode the train out to Stirling and hiked the hill to the Stirling Castle. And then we got really adventuresome. We rented a car and uh, we drove into the Scottish Highlands to Glencoe and the Isle of Skye and Inverness. And, and yes, of Loch Ness. We did drive by and see Loch Ness. Uh, we didn't see Nessie, so, uh, uh, but we did, we did try. 
I mean, absolutely breathtaking scenery. If, if you've never been there, it's just really fabulous. Um, friendly, warm, welcoming people. Uh, the locals kept complaining about the heat, uh, which I found quite humorous. Um, so I invited them to come visit uh, South Carolina in, June, in July and August, and, and then we maybe have a conversation about what the heat was, uh, what was really like. Um, you know, I could, I could talk about it endlessly, and you will probably hear me talk about it endlessly for, for months to come. Uh, but, but also, I think, you know, to, to, to embrace the Presbyterian history that's in those two countries uh, is, is really important to me as an undergrad in history and a, and a church historian myself. I mean, I just really love reading about uh, and seeing some of those great places that mean so much to the church and, and especially the Presbyterian Church. And Susie and I actually met the moderator of the Church of Scotland while we were in Scotland, which is it's a story for another day. That was, that was another neat thing. But, but I like going to churches. I like going to older churches, and especially in Europe, many of them are historic places. Um, uh, a lot of them tell the story of our Christian faith, and especially, again, like I said, us Presbyterians, those Kirks in Scotland that we can see. Now, unfortunately, some of them uh, are no longer active churches. They're museums or gift shops or, or restaurants, but many of them are still there, and it's, it's cool to go see them. But another thing we do when we travel, even in the United States, we like to worship when we can in, in uh, different places. And so we were looking on our trip to places for worship, and we were in Greystones on the, on the first Sunday, and we worshiped at the Presbyterian Church in Greystones uh, that was established in 1851, about the time uh, this church was. And uh, Greystones, a small seaside community about 25 miles south of Dublin, and we arrived at the church a little bit early because we were, we were on foot, so we wanted to make sure we knew uh, where we were going and what to do, and we were greeted very warmly uh, by the congregation. Uh, we were obviously strangers in a strange land, but we were welcomed into their midst, and, and many people came up and introduced themselves to us, uh, including the minister and his wife, and the previous minister and, and his wife were also there. Um, the minister was also the accompanist, so he played the piano and did all the liturgy, which, which wasn't really explained, so it was kind of, uh, in the beginning, a little interesting to see him be up in the pulpit, which was like this one, kind of up high, and then he would hustle down the stairs over to the piano and lead the, and lead the hymns, but, you know, it worked. It worked for, it worked for them, and it, w- it was a great, uh, uh, very spiritual morning. The last hymn that they sang um, wasn't familiar to me, uh, but it was uh, the congregation sang it with really great gusto, and the pastor played on the piano with really a lot of energy. Uh, so after the service, uh, they had a, a fellowship time with coffee and tea and little cookies, and, and we got to visit with some of the folks. And I asked them, I said, what was special about that song? You just really, you know, you could feel the energy in it. And, and one of the members just said, no, you know, that's just a, a song that was selected um, but we just felt the spirit moving through the congregation, through the music, and so we just followed the spirit uh, in that song. So, you know, that's the kind of kind of vibrant uh, com- community it was. Uh, the pastor's sermon was on James chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and it was titled, Submit Yourself to God. Now, the pastor was what I would call an expository preacher, meaning he went down verse for verse and kind of explained uh, what each verse meant, well, he interpreted that verse, and and what he had learned about it. And um, 
if you know that book of James in that section, really, James is speaking to uh, the dispersed church about a decade or so after uh, Jesus has been crucified and, and the Jewish Christians of the world have been persecuted and they've spread out across the Mediterranean. And so James is trying to send him this message of, about how to be faithful uh, in, in, these, in these odd places away from the temple and away from Jerusalem. Um, and uh, chapter four is about submitting your life to God, how you do that in practical ways to apply that. And one verse that really struck me that, that he said was uh, chapter, in chapter four, verse 14, it said, yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You are mist that appears for a little while and vanishes. Now, if you've ever been to Ireland or Scotland or even seen pictures of it, other than green grass and blue sky and maybe a lot of sheep, there is one thing that you will see a lot of, and that is mist. It is everywhere. So over the days after that, as we continued to travel, and look around, you couldn't escape it. We hiked and we walked and we viewed tall mountains and magnificent vistas, and always in the distance was the mist. And in my mind, I kept hearing that verse over and over again, I am just mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So being a minister, it's difficult to turn that brain off, uh, probably like uh, someone that works in the hospitality business to walk into a place, a restaurant or something, and, and not criticize you know, what's going on or wonder what's going on. So this verse, I mean, haunted me maybe might be a, a good word. It kept playing over and over again. And like I said, the mist was always there in physical form. I kept seeing, and, and I, I really just kept thinking about that. You know, my time is short, is what it told me. My time is short, and how do I make time to build God's kingdom in that time? How do I work myself and my life in the time that I have to build the kingdom of God? And then, of course, right before we were about to head home, what pops up on my phone one day, I get these devotions uh, on my phone, daily devotions on my phone, and, and what pops up is um, Paul's rules for life is what some scholars call them. Um, this, this letter to Ephesians is, uh, is, a, is a perfect, I think, answer to that. How to live this short time that we have in, in accordance with God and in accordance with the way God wants us to live our lives uh, in this short period that we're just a mist on this earth. How can we do that? And after reflecting on, these, on this verse for, uh, for a few weeks, I can boil it down to two words. Be kind. Be kind. Paul says, put away, literally set aside, move it out of the way, out of your way, put aside falsehood. Let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors, for we are members of one another. Put away from you all bitterness, wrath, anger, wrangling, slander, malice. 
and be kind to one another. If we are just mist that walks this earth for just a little while, then how are we to glorify God in the time that we have? Be kind. Now, of course, that's easy, right? I mean, I'm kind. You're kind. Sounds simple. But maybe it's a little more difficult than we think. We live in a world that seems to grow more bitter and hard. When civil discourse seems to be stomped out by the extremes. Where many times we can't even agree on what the truth is. But these words from Paul to the church in Ephesus are important for us to remember. Our words are important. How we treat one another is important. It is important for us to get along with one another. And it's not just important because it's the right thing to do and it's the social norm to be civil with one another. But for us as Christians, how we treat each other is important to God. Now, what I learned as I, as I thought about this text was that life's events don't center around me or my wants or my desires or my worldview. And that's the point that I want us to hang on to today, that what we say, how we act in public, and what I mean by public is how do we speak to each other um, in all ways that we're present, even digitally with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, uh, emails that we send to one another, what we say and how we treat each other, it matters. It matters to other people and it matters to God. We must remember that how other people sometimes interpret who God is is through our own behaviors, through our words, through our actions, through our posts. So of course we all think that we're kind and good people. We love one another. Sure we do. But are we? Are we kind? Does our interaction with others and not just folks that look like us, think like us, vote like us, do our daily interactions exude kindness? I think if we're honest with ourselves, from time to time we probably fall short. I mean, I'll admit, I do. I do more often than I would like. So here's the good news. The good news is that God knows that. God knows that because God created us. And God knows that we're going to mess this up from time to time. We're going to mess it up repeatedly. And we're going to mess it up royally sometimes. And God has blessed us with a rule for life to remind us how to be kind to one another. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with your neighbor, for we are members one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Yes, God gave us an emotion. It's called anger. And even Jesus on this earth got angry. Remember the money changers in the temple where he flips over the tables and there's other times that he really gets in the disciples' faces and says, get behind me, Satan. He gets angry. 
But don't let your anger lead you into a bad place. Don't spout off with strong words something that you're going to regret. Or worse, type it. (laughs) Go ahead and type it, but hit delete. (laughs) Don't hit send. Find positive and construction ways to deal with your anger because you're going to get angry. And then there's this. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. To me, this is the most important one for the church. Gossip and innuendo are the most evil and insidious forms of the devil's snares, especially in a community. And if you think about a community of your family or the community of your workplace or the community of the church, a whisper here, a glancing look there, a private conversation in the parking lot after a meeting that begins with these three words. Well, I heard, and the community can crumble. It can take months, even years, to recover from these types of attacks. Don't fall for it. Turn away from gossip and false talk. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. Forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. As I mentioned, Susie and I have been married now 31 years. We have a long-standing rule in our marriage that has carried us well. It's called the 24-hour rule. If one of us flubs up and says something or does something wrong, after 24 hours, you have to put it to rest. The rules uh, of this rule is founded and has its foundation in forgiveness. In forgiveness and the love and recognition that we're human and that we make mistakes. And we say the wrong thing. We drive too fast or too slow. We burn the dinner. We forget to let the dog out. It happens. And you've got 24 hours to talk about it. That's it. It's help us focus on the redemptive love of Christ in each other and not in the failed humanity that also lives in us. And finally, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now that is a lofty rule to live by to be an imitator of God. But we are God's chosen people. We are God's beloved children. What a better offering can we give to God but to imitate him and his love for us and for all the world that God has created. By being kind to ourselves and to others, we reflect the kindness that God has shown us. As Christians, as imitators of God, it is our duty to rise above that petty shortcomings of, the human- of humanity. We have to recognize how we treat each other is very important in building up God's kingdom. 
If we do not rise above these snares of the evil one, then we are not building a church to the glory of God, but we are tearing it down. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.